here in John, in John chapter 17, beginning in verse 6, let us now give our attention to the reading and hearing of God's holy word. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them. And have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And all mine are thine, and all thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now I come to thee, And these things I speak in the world, that I might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou should keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth, for thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so I have also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. O Lord, our God, as we do come to thy word this morning, we come seeking thy wisdom. We come seeking the work and the intercession of thy Holy Spirit, that we might understand these things, that we might apply these things. And may the words of my mouth, meditation of our hearts, be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Well, as I mentioned last week, I wanted to take a detour after we finished the Gospel of Luke. We will come to the uh, sequel, the Acts of the Apostles, or the Acts of the Holy Spirit. That I wanted to take a detour to this high priestly prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ for his church. Because in here, even though in John's Gospel, Christ is praying for his disciples before he is sent away before he suffers and dies, 
the Lord Jesus Christ as our high priest prays this prayer on our behalf. As I mentioned last week, when we think of the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, that is a prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. But John 17 is not a prayer that we are taught to pray. Jesus, as I said last week, prays to his Father, to the one whom he was in union with, that both the Father and the Son might be glorified in his people. And so I do confess that, as a number of commentators have said, there is a lot of deep instruction in this passage of Scripture. I'm not sure I've ever heard the Gospel of John chapter 17 preached before, but there's some wonderful truths that we find in here that are for our instruction and our benefit. And so as we turn our attention to John chapter 17, you will remember that last week in verses 1 through 5, we saw Jesus praying for himself. Now, isn't that interesting? And we often overlook that, but why would Jesus pray for himself? You know, I mentioned that there are some groups that believe that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are just different uh, names for God, that there's only one God, not three, as some would suppose. And yet here in this passage, Jesus is not praying to himself. Jesus is not just simply uttering words. He is communicating to his Father on behalf of his people, on behalf of the church. And so in the context, Jesus is praying for the church. But in praying for the church, he prays for himself that the Son and the Father might be glorified together, that they might be glorified, verse 4, on earth, that Jesus might finish the work which the Father gave him to do. And so there in verse 5, Jesus prays, Father, glorify thou me with thine own self with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Mentioned that Jesus did not divest himself of any glory when he came to earth. Jesus did not lose any divinity. But in speaking that, Jesus prays to glorify me with thee, with that same glory that we shared before the world was. Jesus is speaking of that pre-incarnate state. He is speaking of the fact that he will go back to the Father and that they will have that glory once again. That glory again is not divested or lost, but Jesus is, is praying for that time when he will be ascended into heaven. And so here we see the priestly work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We see the priestly work of the Lord Jesus Christ on earth. And later, we see Jesus ascended to his heavenly work, which he is now doing. And part of that heavenly work that Jesus is doing now is he is interceding on behalf of his people. And this passage is a great comfort and consolation to us that Jesus, full divinity, 
full humanity in one person forever is praying for us. We oftentimes perhaps give lip, lip service to, well, we're praying for you. We kind of hear that even through social media, everyone's praying for somebody. And yet we know with beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus in his full humanity is praying as our high priest. And as our high priest, his prayer will be answered. We cannot presume that when we come before the Lord our God and offer our petitions, that he will always answer them. But we know he hears the prayers of the Lord Jesus. We know that he is praying even now. And what I find comforting and and helpful to know is that Jesus Christ, as the one who took on full humanity, came to earth, is our elder brother. And our elder brother is sitting at the right hand of the Father, praying for us. And so last week we see Jesus praying for himself. He's praying for himself because him and the Father are one. They're one in essence. They're one in purpose. They're not not three different modes of God. They are Father and Son united together. And as they are united together, their desire is to glorify one another. And so Jesus has been given power. He has been given rule and authority that he might give eternal life to those whom the Father has given to him. And so we turn our attention to the second petition this morning. And that is the prayer of Jesus for his disciples. Now he's prayed for himself. He's prayed for himself that his work might be accomplished, that his mission on earth would be done. That's what he prayed for. And we've seen that accomplished. We've seen that in the the life and the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. But now he turns his attention to the prayer of his disciples. Now it's not often your pastor has three points that rhyme. But you have their persons, their protection, and their perseverance Those are the three things that Jesus prays for in this second petition. As he prays for their persons, we particularly note there in verse 6, that as he's praying for them, as he's praying for his disciples, he says, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them to me, and they have kept my word. Jesus says he doesn't pray for the world. You know, oftentimes when we pray, we, we pray for the world. We, we pray that everybody will get saved. That's kind of the, the, the mentality. But Jesus prays particularly for his elect He prays for his disciples because he has manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me. Notice verse 6, and I think this is why the authorized translation is more accurate in these things, because it says particularly, I have manifested thy name, 
the name of the Father unto the men which thou gavest me. We oftentimes, and as we saw last week in our confession of faith on the doctrine of justification, we think about the work of salvation in the life of the believer. We think about how God declares us justified, righteous, and holy because of the righteousness of Christ. But here we see in this priestly prayer that there's more to our salvation than just assenting to to some doctrine. But we see the outworking of that salvation within the Trinity, particularly in the Father and the Son. That Jesus says, I have manifested thy name. I have declared thy name to those that thou gavest me out of the world. And here we come to understand that we are never given salvation apart from the Father giving to the Son those who would be saved. This is one of the strongest arguments in the Gospel of John, and there are others, for this doctrine of election. This doctrine that people despise. This doctrine that people despise because they want their own works to justify them. But Jesus declares the name of the Father not to the world because they reject that name. But he declares that name to us, to those, particularly the elect, whom thou gavest me. And this is, this is the petition that he prays for, particularly here as we think of their persons, those for whom Jesus prays. He prays, and they have kept thy word. What a wonderful consolation to us fallen creatures in the first Adam, creatures who are born in sin, who uh, go astray from birth speaking lies, we who are easily deceived, we who at the end of the day do exactly what we want to do. And yet here Jesus says, I have prayed for those whom you have given me that they may keep thy word. But he doesn't say that they might keep thy word. He says, and thou gavest them me and they have kept thy word. This is important to understand that they have kept his word because those whom the Father gives to the Son will never be lost. There in the Gospel of John earlier, we see that wonderful parallel of of the, uh, the great shepherd who knows his sheep. They follow him, they hear his voice, and Jesus what? Loses none of them. And so no believer who has trusted in Christ for his salvation, can ever be concerned about keeping thy word. Some people always struggle with coming to Christ and trusting in him by faith and resting on him. I don't know what I'll do five years down the road. Well, that's a horrible place to be. Because when Jesus calls us to himself, He reminds us that they have kept thy word. And so here, before Jesus really gets into the heart of the petition of the second part of his prayer, he says to the Father, 
I have manifested thy name. The Son gives glory unto the Father. That is the whole purpose of the the doctrine of the Trinity. That the Son always gives glory to the Father. The Father gives glory to the Son. We've already seen that. The Lord Jesus Christ was granted glory in his suffering. But in his suffering, we see that he is exalted and glorified. And so he prays for those whom the Father has given me out of the world. Notice here that as Jesus is there in that upper room praying for his disciples particularly, notice how Jesus speaks of the faith of his disciples. You remember the disciples? Do you remember Peter? Do you remember their lack of faith as Jesus is facing his accusers, as Jesus is going to the cross to suffer for the sins of his elect? And yet Jesus here prays for them. He prays that they would keep thy word. Only the elect will keep the word of God. Only those whom the Father gives the Son will keep that word. And that's a consolation to us that if we are truly in Christ, we will keep thy word. And so Jesus continues as he speaks of their persons, of the disciples, of his elect particularly, that they have known, verse 7, that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. I've given unto them the words which thou gavest me. And notice verse 8, they have received them. They didn't just give ear service, but they actually received the words that the Father gave unto Jesus and have known surely. They have known beyond a shadow of a doubt that I came out from thee that they have believed that thou didst send me. There are those running around today that don't have that assurance because they deny the doctrine of the Trinity. They deny the fact that the Father gave the elect unto the Son and that the Son indeed is praying for them. So what a consolation to us. That those whom the Father gave the Son, that they have believed that thou didst send me. There are those who would say that they believe in God. They don't believe in Jesus, but they believe in God. It is, it is a false teaching that we can believe in God without having any relationship to Jesus Christ. We see the triunity of God particularly Uh, here at the first part of this passage. But he prays not for the world, but particularly for those whom thou hast given me. He says, all mine, I love verse 10, all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. Jesus says, all of mine are thine, And thine are mine. And so all that belongs to the Father belongs to the Son. 
Notice the connection here between the elect and the Father and the Son. There is a unity within the Trinity as well as those who belong to God. What a wonderful consolation. And Jesus reminds us of this in the the parable of the, the great shepherd. That those whom you have given unto me are mine. And so we see their persons that the Lord Jesus Christ prays particularly for his disciples. But in this we see that Jesus not only prays particularly for his elect, he's praying for his apostles, but he's praying more so for all of his people. But secondly, he prays for their protection. This is a noteworthy thing as we really get into the heart of the the second petition. Jesus says, verse 11, Now I am no more in the world. But these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be as one as we are one. And so Jesus immediately prays for the protection of all of his elect, not just for these disciples who will be sent out to the ends of the earth, but he prays that we may be one. He prays that we might be protected. Holy Father, keep them through thine own name. If you look at the context of John 17, Jesus is in that upper room. You don't see that in the other Gospels. This is not a parallel to Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's not a synoptic Gospel. But here in John, Jesus has already stated in chapter 11 and chapter 13, he's going to be leaving them. And you can imagine the terror that comes over them. What do you mean you're leaving us? These poor, weak disciples whose faith is often wavering. Now they think, you can't leave us right in the midst of all of this. Where where are you going? And he says, I will go away, speaking of his ascension. But he will not leave them as orphans. And I I think this is so important to see the, the working of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in the salvation of his people. That the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't leave them as orphans. That he's going to send his spirit. Holy Father, keep them through thine own name. I will no longer be in the world, but thou will keep them. So we here have that assurance of the Lord Jesus Christ, our elder brother, that he will indeed keep us. The request of Jesus here is based upon the name which the Father has given unto him. We've seen already, Philippians chapter 2, that as a result of the humiliation and the obedience of Christ unto unto death, the Father gave him a name. That is what? Above every name, Philippians 2, 9. That name is the name of Jesus, Philippians 2, 10. Jesus, 
or the name Joshua in Hebrew, meaning God is our salvation. The name of the Lord Jesus Christ in his earthly ministry. We see him. We see his ministry. The character of the Lord Jesus Christ. Impeccable, without sin, prays for us. We cannot pray this kind of prayer. But the Lord Jesus Christ, as the one who is without sin, prays on behalf of his people. They are indeed true believers. They are the ones whom the Father has promised to protect. Jesus grants security to those who are in him. You know, there are seasons of life, and I think all of us perhaps can testify to this. There are seasons of our life as as Christians when we fall in sin. It might be a grievous sin. It it might be a, a besetting sin that we've continued to struggle with. Maybe it's anger or lust or whatever. And it just seems to keep coming back and haunting us. And yet we find that even when we fall in sin for a season, we are promised that God will protect us. That God will not leave us in our sin. He promises in this prayer that in that protection or in that security, he protects us from the wiles of Satan. That he protects us from our own flesh. That is an important thing for us to remember. That the Lord Jesus Christ protects you from yourself. Oh, how easy we can can be led astray. How easy we can fall in sin. But Jesus prays that we would be protected from ourselves. That we would be protected from Satan. That we would be protected from the world. That we might not fall into sin. It's not just enough to be encouraged by the prayers of the saints. But I think it's more encouraging to be, to be reminded that Jesus prays for us. He prays that we might bring glory to him, that we might be indeed protected. He goes on there in that section and um, mentions that I have kept them in thy name. Those whom thou gavest me, I have kept, and none of them are lost except the son of perdition. Judas Iscariot is the reference here. But even in the life of Judas Iscariot, it can truly be said that those who are truly Christ's don't fall away. Judas finally did fall away, but Jesus prays that they may be kept in whose name? The Father's name, verse 12. Those that thou gavest me. And then verse 13, he says, Now I come to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Jesus prays that we might have the joy of the Lord. That even in tribulation, these disciples who would face tribulation might have joy. Jesus has already told them, in the world you will have tribulation. But be of good courage, for I have overcome the world. That is part of the protection that Jesus prays for. 
that we might be kept, that we might not be lost, that we might have the fullness of joy, that we might be given His Word. The world hated me because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. So I was speaking to my sister the other day. I was thinking, you know, the state of, of, of my own immediate family who are not believers. And I'm thinking, as much as people pretend to know God, as much as they give lip service to Him, if they don't know His Word, if they have not been kept by His Word, they hate Him. The world hates God because they hate His Word. They hate His law. Jesus says... I've given them thy word, and the world hateth them, because they're not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And then Jesus finishes out this prayer of protection as he prays, I pray not that thou should take them out of the world, but thou should keep them from the evil. How often... And we all have to admit we're tempted to do this in times of of great trial. Oh, I just want to go home. Oh, I just want to go to heaven. You know, it's almost like the person waiting for the rapture. You know, the rapture's coming. And it's coming very soon. So we'll be out of here. But Jesus doesn't pray for our exit from the world. He prays that we should be kept from evil while we live in this world. And we need to be reminded of that. Your pastor needs to be reminded of that. That we need to be kept from evil. And yet Jesus has prayed that we would be protected. Even in this election year, even no matter what uh, tyrant gets in office, we are reminded that Jesus preserves his people and protects them from evil. And that you can be assured of. But thirdly and finally, the Lord Jesus Christ prays for their perseverance. Sometimes we give lip service to the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints. But that doctrine is a great comfort to our souls. We do not, and I need to say this, and I say this, Gently, we do not believe in the doctrine of once saved, always saved. We don't believe that you get saved, you can fall away, and everything's okay. God preserves those who are his elect. And so we hold to that doctrine of the perseverance of the saints, that those who are truly saints, those who are truly declared holy, would be preserved and kept. Sanctify them. Jesus is praying to the Father as he will be away. He will be absent here soon. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. How are they being sanctified? How are we being preserved? By ourselves? If it was dependent upon me to preserve myself, even by, by just a, a small percentage, I would fall flat on my face. But Jesus 
prays that they would be sanctified through that word of truth. That's what keeps us. That is the word that preserves us. That is the word that protects us from falling to the end. Jesus prays to the Father. And you know what? That prayer is answered. That prayer has already been answered. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so I also send them. The Father sends the Son. The Son sends the disciples. The disciples go to the ends of the earth. And the church for generations and for centuries has been sending men into the world to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ that we might be protected, that we might be preserved. And Jesus concludes this prayer for their sakes, not for the world's sake, but for their sakes, I sanctify myself. Oh, what a beautiful point Jesus brings out here. I sanctify myself. I, for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they might also be sanctified through the truth. Now, that is a difficult thing for us to understand. Why would Jesus pray that he would be sanctified? I mean, did he sin? Was he capable of sin? Absolutely not. But Jesus sanctifies himself. Jesus comes in full humanity, perfectly obedient to the law, goes through all of the suffering, and the writer of Hebrews says that he learned obedience, what? Through the things he suffered. And so for their sakes, Jesus sanctifies us through the truth. We are not sanctified by some particular doctrine. We're not sanctified by some method of perfection. We're not sanctified by some um, word of knowledge or some uh, extraordinary work. We are sanctified through the truth of God's word. And we can stand with assurance that the Lord Jesus Christ, in that prayer, prays for our sanctification. So many misconceptions of sanctification. And I hope you will stick around the first Sabbath of the month for the catechism class because you will learn more about the fact that sanctification is that ongoing work of the Spirit as we work to strengthen what Jesus has prayed for. There is no better illustration of sanctification than that of our Lord Jesus Christ there in verses 16 through 19. Our Lord was physically untouched by man's sin. The Lord Jesus Christ was born of a woman. Jesus was untouched by human sin. He was not born as you and I are born. He is the second Adam, left heaven so that he might remove the blemish of sin from us. And even the holy God, no less, entered into this sinful world, and yet he leaves this world, goes to heaven, so that he might continue to intercede 
where the church sanctification is that ongoing work but Jesus has prayed that we might be sanctified through that word of truth that's the only way we're sanctified is by that word of truth Jesus was not sanctified by separation from the world he committed no sin but he was separated by his obedience by the will of the father Jesus sanctifies us through the work of, a, of the cross. We are sanctified by the word of truth. And as we devote ourselves unto Christ, as we continue to live in this fallen, godless world, as we see death, as we see grief, as we see sorrow, as we see all of these things, our, our desire is not to escape from it, but our desire is that we might continue to live in the world knowing that Jesus keeps us from evil. Oh, this is a, a deep, deep passage of Scripture, and yet it's just scratching the surface to remind us Jesus prays for you every day. Jesus continually prays for you. What is he doing in heaven? He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. He is sitting as the perfect session. He is sitting next to his Father, continually interceding, continually praying for us when we are bombarded, when, when men and women are, are cast into prison for standing for the sanctity of life. Jesus is there protecting them. Jesus protects us in the midst of evil. We would not fall. O saints of God, we have all consolation and encouragement this morning. And as Jesus prays for us, has prayed to the Father, his work will be accomplished. His servants will take the gospel to the ends of the earth. His people will be sanctified. Jesus will return, not for a spotted bride but he will come back for an unspotted bride he will come back for a a bride that is not blemished but that has all of their blemishes and sins removed sanctification that some call sinless perfection comes but it comes at the end when we stand before Christ in glory and then we are fully sanctified because of the work of Christ. That it is the Father, it is the Son, and it is the Holy Spirit in their work. Jesus completed his earthly work. His heavenly work has been going on for over 2,000 years and it will continue. Don't ever be discouraged. Don't ever give up. Don't ever lose heart. If you are in Christ, Jesus prays for you, and he will keep you to the end. May we pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we do give thee thanks this morning for this wonderful prayer that the Lord Jesus Christ prays for us. We do ask that thou wouldst grant unto us consolation and comfort, knowing that thou hast not left us as orphans, but thou hast given us thy Holy Spirit.
to guide us, to teach us all things until we come to the end of this earthly life, until we come in glory, standing before the Christ who indeed has given himself, who stands in full humanity on that day. We thank thee for his earthly ministry. We thank thee for his ongoing heavenly ministry. And we do give thee all glory, honor, and praise, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We ask that thy would indeed apply these truths to us. We pray in his name. Amen.